Hello and welcome to another episode of Run to the Hills. I'm Chris Bland and this is Tim Taylor. Hi. So this week we've got a fantastic interview with Paul Nelson about the Bob Graham round, two absolute legends in their own ways. Tim, you've known Paul for quite a while, haven't you? Yeah, Paul and me are very, very competitive, uh, sadly not in running, but uh, more in drinking a bit of red wine. Um, and he always outstrips me. He always out- seems to outstrip me on the red wine as well as the running, to be fair. But yeah, great character and uh, many, many accomplishments. Um, seems to be building them by the week. This week he's doing, I think he's on day three or day four of the Cockbane Backyard Ultra Challenge at the minute. He seems to be doing 15 to 19 miles a day because his backyard literally backs onto the some of the uh, Cumbrian hills. God bless him. So for those of you that don't know, the Cockbane Isolation Ultra is 19 miles for 19 days nonstop. Is that right? I think it's something weird like that. Yeah, it'd be some yeah. some, some bizarre, weird number for no reason at all. Can be done on a treadmill, can be broken up, though you have to stay within, obviously, government guidelines and restrictions. So if you're doing it in your back garden, you can break it up as you would like if you're going out one run a day. Exactly so, correct. On this topic of general news, what have you got for us this week, Tim? Well, the news is sad news from uh, John and Shirley that the Hardmores 110 and 160 this year has been uh, definitely postponed from the end of May. I know they're looking at whether they can hold it in August and that's news to come. So it's a bit sad to hear about that, but that's postponed for all the obvious reasons at this time. How about you, Chris? What's new? Um, not much. It has been quiet. I was going to bring up the Cockbane Isolation Ultra. Obviously, we're still in a situation where there's no races being ran. No one really doing anything particularly exciting outside of going for occasional runs. But for all the free time that some of you may or may not have, there's a documentary called Unbreakable, the Western States 100, that's just been released on YouTube. I think it's a limited release, but it's full-length documentary about hour 45, and it's really, really good. Um, it's an incredible race, tough as hell, and great filmmaking, so I definitely recommend it, and I'll have a link for you in the show notes. Oh, cool. That sounds really good, Chris. I look forward to having a look at that later this week. I've just been, um, just to add on my my bit of, might be interested for some people, I've been listening to or watching John Kynaston's interviews on YouTube. Really enjoying them and uh, lovely to hear from John and some of the people he's been talking to. So that's another good way of uh, whiling away a half an hour or having on in the background as well. There's also in this episode itself, there's a recommendation or two from Paul on books that he's read. Links to all of this in the show notes. Right. Without further ado, this is Paul Nelson talking about the Bob Graham round. So next, we're going to go into your Bob, I was going to call it a Paul Graham round, Bob Graham round. <laughs> so for yeah. anyone that's not familiar with the Bob Graham round, can you give us a little bit of a background, a little bit of a brief on it? Yeah, Bob Graham round is basically, it was. Uh, it came around, I think it was, yeah, it was the 30s, wasn't it, by a guy obviously called Bob Graham, a hotelier uh, in the Keswick area, North, uh, North Lakes. And he, he uh, for his birthday, decided that he would do 42 peaks. He was 42 years old. Try and do 42 peaks in uh, uh, in 24 hours. 
to sort of celebrate his birthday. And, and he, he went out and attempted. So I think he didn't do it on the first attempt. Something happened. I'm, I'm not, I can't remember the full histories, but I'm sure he did it on the second attempt. And uh, and then he started this sort of infamous Bob Graham round. But he never, once he'd done it, and that was in the 30s, he never, get looked, he never got looked at again until the 60s. And then the 60s, people looked at his route and, and they fine-tuned it and... Um, yeah, and then, then it became the Bob Graham round. What got you interested in it? It's really, really strange. I'd heard about it years ago um, when I was in the military and sort of just discounted it as something I'd never, you know, would do or never even thought it would be my radar to do. Uh, and then when I got out and I bumped into an old military friend and we decided to do the uh, on-mountain marathons, uh, and it came out, it came up again. Uh, about the Bob Graham and obviously reading, um, you know, Feet in, uh, Feet in the Clouds by Richard Asquith, where he, he's, he's basically his whole, his, the books, though it's about fell running, it's about him training to do his Bob Graham as well. Uh, so it came out about then and that that would be about mm, 2011, 2012. And even then I went, oh no, I'm never going to be able to be able to do something like that. I just thought it was well without, you know, well outside my reach. Um, and then, but I, I, so I knew about it and I, I knew what it was. But then uh, I bumped it when I joined uh, Weatherby Runners, um, 2000, I think that one, that'd be 2014, uh, 2013. Uh, one of the blokes was was attempting his own Bob Graham. And I, uh, yeah, and I helped him. And in helping him, I realised actually, yeah, it's well within my ability. I can do this. And so the next year I went out and did it. So, yeah. So you were saying about how many peaks is on it how far is it what sort of times have people put down before and then well, going it, to your it's, training for it's, it it's obviously 42 peaks it's roughly depend on your navigation 66 miles is the sort of you know the the sort of favorite sort of estimate but obviously depend on how you do your nav and which route you go it can vary you know a couple of miles here either side and you start uh, and finish Keswick. So you've got to start at Moot Hall, which is in the centre of Keswick uh, t- centre. You know, it's on a sort of pedestrian way and you start and finish there. So, you, yeah. And then the lakes is, I know it's not the most mountainous of areas, but it's a very sort of specific type of up, down, up, down, up, down terrain as well. How did you go about training for that? I just, I was very lucky. There was a race called uh, the Ten Peaks uh, and I'd, it was like the 10 highest peaks in the Lake District in 24 hours. And I, every year from like 2011, I entered this race and I managed to complete it and got faster and faster and faster. So, the, and a lot of the hills you're doing are the hills that you'll do on the Bob Graham round. Not all, you know, in, you know, because it's a 10 highest peak. So you're sort of going around the same sort of terrain. So that got me uh, running over the terrain and stuff. And then to actually train for it, I thought that the best way was just supporting people. Uh, you know, I knew the route, but just supporting people and, um, you know, f- sort of finalising your route and finding little little idiosyncrasies that help you, you know, get from A to B. And, oh, and and that's how I did it. And that's how I trained for it, really. It was just helping other people do their Bob Grahams. It was the best way, I think, by far, you know, to get yourself up and over the ground. So how many times did you go and support someone, run legs with them? Uh, I think uh, overall, I did. I think I did six supports uh, beforehand before I actually did it. 
Yeah, but but so but in that time, so at least on two of them, I did multiple legs. So like the very first time I supported on the Bob Graham round, there's five legs, and I did three in one session. I did legs one and two, um, just the one day, and then obviously did leg. I did leg. Um, the last leg, leg five on the day after. And then the time, and then um, when I supported again, I did two legs again. I did, I think I did legs two. I, no, I did three and four. So, you know, I did two big supports because um, it was just good training anyway, you know. And it just, yeah. So, and that's, and then obviously you get to and also work how you can cope going through the checkpoints and what you need. And then walk us through, how did your attempt, how did it go? Um, my attempt went really well, actually. Uh, I had a few, <laughs> I had a few sort of uh, things go wrong as it did. It was a very wet. I decided, <laughs> in my in my fashion, I decided I wanted to finish with a full evening. So I, I started at um, ten o'clock on the Friday night, thinking. So I was going for a, a sub twenty hour Bob Graham. That was that was my goal. Uh, and be, but the problem I had with that was. Um, one at the time, I didn't know that many people uh, who were fast over that sort of terrain. So I struggled to get people to support me for the Bob Graham. So I had to sort of take anybody who would help me. Uh, so on the first leg, uh, I had two blokes supporting me. And by the time I got to got to the bottom of Great Calvary, which is the second peak on leg one, as we was climbing up, I sort of lost both of them. Um, did great Calver, got went down to the other side and then they caught me up and then climbing up onto Blencafra, I lost him again. And then I never seen him till I'd finished uh, leg leg one. In fact, I didn't see him at all because by the time they got to where they'd gone, I'd gone through leg one and I was starting leg two. Uh, have, leg you given two any of your, have you given your guys anything of yours to carry or were you carrying the majority yeah, of the they, stuff? Yeah, they, they had my warm kit and stuff. In fact, it won't because I knew they were lagging behind and I was... I was worried, concerned about them. I had a, I, I was carrying a, a GPS and I gave them the GPS so they, they'd know where to go. Obviously, it was pitch black. So I gave them the GPS. Uh, I knew the, I knew where I was going, so I was quite happy. So And it was claggy. It was quite horrible. But I gave them the GPS and I just crapped off on my own because they were slow. No, they were going slower than I was. Um, it wasn't, to be fair, that out of the two blokes, it was the one bloke who was really struggling. Uh, the other bloke was fit enough, but he we just couldn't leave him on his own. The other guy, because yeah. his his navigation was terrible. He would have, oh god, it it have gone. It, you know, it's safer for me to go on my own, knowing where I was going, than it was to leave him on his own. The bloke support me, and I was fine. And it was the first leg. I'm fresh. Um, you know what I mean? I, I took a bit of food. I was fine. I had fluids. I was all right. But then, and then on leg two, we um, in the clag, we sort of managed to get a little bit disorientated and did the same peak twice. Um, no, to no fault of anybody else, because I didn't designate anybody to navigate. So it was, but just, it was just a bit of me with my finger up my arm, you know, just not paying attention and everybody else just, we were just running. And it, it was very, it was, you couldn't see very far. It was very claggy. Uh, and then after that, leg three, four and five, yeah, went fine. Went really well. And then, and so I completed uh, in, 19 hours, 21 minutes. Um, Amazing. And I finished at five o'clock on the Saturday. I went straight on the beer. And that was, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, 
when you were saying you wanted to finish with the evening left, I was like, is that so you can go out for a few drinks afterwards? It was because, it, you know, it's such a thing. And I wanted to really, I wanted to have a beer and celebrate it. And I did. And it was really good. I had my mum there, uh, Lucy, my partner. She was there and a few friends. Um, yeah, we, we had a good session. It was really good. My mum got drunk. <laughs> I, I was drunk, obviously. I fell in. We fell in the uh, B&B about half 11 that night. So I had a good, yeah, I did well. Yeah. I like it. Were you still out in your kit from the from the round? No, I man- we managed to get back because we had an Airbnb. So I went back and got a shower, sorted myself out, and uh, yeah, come back like sort of limped back into Keswick. Very <laughs> stiff legged, but yeah, but very happy as well. Very elated. It's a yeah, yeah, I was very chuffed. I'm not surprised. It's definitely it's one of those events that I feel anyone that gets into trail and ultra running for any amount of time realizes that it's i don't know it's got a bit of a cult status behind it, hasn't it everyone wants to do it yeah it has the problem it has and it's great but the problem we have with things like that now with the cult status and especially with social media is so many more people have heard about it and and so now you have people like it's a, a to-do list so they want to yeah. do it but they don't actually want to put anything back so even now i still especially now i live so close to you know keswick I still, I will still go out. I mean, maybe not this year with with what's happening, but at least five, five to sort eight times a year, I go out and support people on a, you know, every year on a Bob Graham for no, you know, just because I get asked and I'll go out and do it. But so many people now, you know, just want to tick the box and don't want to give anything back. Yeah. So I've, yeah, so it's a, it's great that it's got that sort of notoriety, but it's also terrible that. You know, it's takes away from the community. Yeah, it's a tick in a box to to a lot of people. Right? Well, not to a lot of people. To some people, it's just a tick in a box, and they don't actually give anything back, which is, you know, the sort of. So downside. aside, aside, aside from sort of sticking around and supporting people when they're doing their rounds, if you've supported what five or eight each year, you must have a good sort of wealth of knowledge. Is there any mistakes that you see people making time after time? Is there something that? You'd advise and suggest to people if they were to attempt their first one. There's, there's quite a few. Yeah, there's a quite. I wouldn't say the mistakes. It's just a bit of naivety. Everybody keeps going about the ascent. You know, it's basically effectively you're climbing Everest, Everest over the 66 miles. It is, it is. But everybody keeps thinking about the ascent, and the, it's not really the ascent that does the damage. It's the descending that does the damage because there's some really sharp descendings, and because you sort of letting your legs go you you blow your quads out massively you know so it and so people underestimate underestimate the descending which is sounds daft but they do and that's what tires tires them out they keep so they sort of worry about the wrong aspect of the the great the you know of the, of the route because climbing once you start climbing you're walking so you just walk up the hill don't you and then you run yeah. what you can run on the flat or when it's sort of undulating but the descending absolutely kills you you know by the time you've you've come off the last descent on the leg three and you're in wadsdale you, your quads are absolutely trash you know from putting the brakes on so to speak you know and just putting that yeah it's it's really hard going and i think is that something that you were able to train specifically before for beforehand I managed to get a lot because I, I always work hard on the descent so i basically i always came myself going down so because of that then yeah it, it, it give my legs but even so you 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 because you, you know you're trying to go as fast as you can you're still going to work hard so your legs you still end up blowing your legs out anyway 
But it's so, the descending that does the damage, I think. If you had to give one other piece of advice for someone that's going for their first ever time on there, what would you suggest? Um, it all depends. You see, this is very, it's a hard call, this, because it depends on ability, doesn't it? Uh, I, I know where where their start point is. Um, if what I would suggest is go easy on leg one, my first, yeah, definitely go. My best bit of advice is don't get carried away on leg one when you're fresh. It's probably for everybody. Is don't go, you know, you can afford. Uh, there's in the in the there's a program that helps you decide your timings to get to all the peaks. Um, I think it's by Bob Whiteman, and it's a great little uh, tool. It's online, and you use it. But people get worried that they, especially in leg one, if they don't hit the peaks at the time. But there's in that program, there's loads of fudge, fact, fudge factor in legs three and four because that's where you're tiring. So it, the the algorithm that works that the, it's built in. So even if you so if you do slow on leg one at the start, it's not that important. Do you know what I mean? Because you, you, yeah. you will build if as long as you're fresh and you keep yourself moving, you don't spend too much time at the you know at the checkpoints. You you can make good time over legs three and four. And is you know, that a link? That, that's right. Is that a website that people can get a link to? Yeah, everybody. I think I don't know many people Every, who don't use it. You know, yeah, it's yeah. part of the Bob Graham sort of. Uh, that's brilliant yeah, well i'll for anyone listening that hasn't seen it i'll put a link to that in our show notes yeah. last question for you we've got about two minutes left is so what's next what else you've gone you're always doing wild crazy things i know at the moment everything's on a bit of lockdown but once we get past that is there anything that you're looking towards yeah i'm well there's races i want to do it's just getting into them. the the tour de Jean is a, a massive one i'd really like to do uh, really, what I'd like to do is it's Big Brother that already started um, last year, which is the Tour de Glacier, which is like 450k, you know, around the around the around Italy, northern Italy, and I'd, that I'd really, you know, that really like to do. But other than that, I'm just yeah, just ticking along. There's these things, Josh Naylor challenge. There's things like that that you know, yeah, I can go off and do. Paddy Buckley, I'd really want to get to do. But yeah, the Paddy Buckley looks right great this year. Um, Ramsey somewhere along the line I'd like to do yeah there's, there's, I've got a big to-do list whether I get to do it is a different matter but yeah there's always a big to-do list there's always, there's always something that you want to push yourself to not always something as a race that you have to pay for but you know there's just yeah it's just I've got there's I'm challenges always about out challenging myself yeah yeah I just want to the, the races are great and if you get good results that's great but that's not why I do it I always do it as a challenge for myself to see that I can do it Let's start off quickly with our quickfire questions. So these are questions that I'm going to ask relatively fast, but your answer can be as long and as drawn out as you want it to be. So okay. first up, how many pairs of trainers do you own? <laughs> uh, that's a running commentary. I probably own, oh, geez. Uh, I'm probably running regularly in at least six pairs of trainers. But I own... A lot more than that. So what do you, what are your six pairs of trainers? Yeah, I run regularly. So depending what my route's doing will be depending which trainers I put on. If it's going to be a hard, compact track, then I'll wear one type of trainers. If it's going to be boggy and squelchy, then another type. If it's going to be a bit of a combination between two, then another type. If it's going to be longer, then it's another type. 
Do you see what I'm saying? I feel it. So, and what's the longest you've gone without washing any of your kit? Without washing any of my kit? Yeah. Oh, definitely 100 miles. I've definitely done a 100-mile race in the same pair of shorts. Good answer. Um, what's the strangest thing you've seen on a run? Uh, a strangest thing I've seen is a bloke running barefoot across a field, towing a tyre. Towing a tyre? Yeah, towing a tyre for training, for whatever. But it was the fact that he's running across a ploughed field. It had a path. It was a designated you know, public footpath. But he was towing a tyre behind him, barefooted. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. Um, what's the sketchiest place you've ever been for a run? Oh, sketchiest place. Anything as soon as you go into suburbs is always makes you feel a bit, you know, on a bit of a back foot. Um, yeah, anyway, I mean, down in uh, Merthyr Tidville was quite, I didn't see anybody, but you burnt out cars, you know, dodging loads of dog poo. Yeah, Merthyr Tidville, probably. It's on the Taffy Trail. I find it funny that every trail runner we've asked that question, it's always a city or it's never, oh, this dodgy mountain I was on, it's always somewhere relatively urban. Um, yeah, okay. Sorry, go on. Sorry, because even though you, even though you're out in the sticks and all that, and you might be on a precipice or whatever, because you, 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 there's nobody there to um, change the way you're going to do something. Where yeah. if you're in the inner city, you don't know who's going to confront you or anything. You see, that's that's why you're always going to feel more backfooted going through suburbia than you are out in the sticks. And what's the most interesting prize you've ever seen at a race? Doesn't necessarily have to be one you've won, but one you've seen. Interesting prize. Hmm. Do you know what? I, I really liked, um, I just when it's like the, the, the prize you get, well, it's not a prize, you obviously get a monetary prize when you win the three peaks, but I love the trophy you get, that carved uh, piece of wood, you know, where it's got the, the three peaks carved into it. And you get that, and I think that's, you know, as a trophy, I think it's a phenomenal trophy to have. You know, even the Hardmore's sword, I think, you know, it's a prize. I think that's a great, something different yeah. rather than a trophy. Something you really want to hang up on your wall. Do you know what I mean? Something a bit of pride. No, I get that. Yeah. Okay. Um, last couple, road or trail? Trail every time. Hot or cold? Cold. Sun or rain? I'm quite happy with a bit of rain. Interesting. Favourite music to run to? Uh, anything guitar-based. Obviously, you know, rock. But anything guitar-based. Anything that's been on your sort of playlists lately? Um, I, I, you know what I listen to a lot when I'm running? I listen to Joe Wiley, BBC2, Radio 2. I really so I'll download uh, you know her uh, evening sessions and I'll listen to that and I really enjoy listening to because she plays a good mixture of all sorts so I, and that I'll be honest that that is really my go-to running running noise when I'm on my own. Brilliant. Okay, so that's our quick fire questions over and out. Thank you everybody for listening to this episode of Run to the Hills. If you could please go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to this, leave us a rating and a review, and that would be absolutely amazing. If not, give us a subscribe. Thank you and see you next week.